Lester, the Nightfly. On the Pacific Radio Network. Also made available on PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. All hit radio. Every time you pick up the mic, you are broadcasting. Lester the Nightfly? Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Hello, Baton Rouge. Won't you turn your radio We are catching up with Shannon Keegan. It's PJ Ewing. It is Lester the Nightfly. Shannon, we did some work uh, months ago. We had two shows on the air, and it was just fantastic. It's such such a delight. But we're now in early November, and all kinds of marvelous things have happened to you that we all all (laughs) have been watching, you know, from Facebook and other social media, Instagram, etc., and I thought we would uh, I sort of turn it over to you and and if you can give us an update on what's what's been going on. Absolutely. So I think the last time we had our conversation was like August-ish. Yeah. Like you said, things kind of started happening very, very quickly right after that. I um, returned from Nuremberg to uh, Stuttgart and pretty much immediately went straight to Rome, where I um, won first prize and the critics' choice of uh, the Ottavio Zino um, competition. It was really, really fun. My first time singing in Italy and singing for a really, really wonderful panel um, with some wonderful colleagues. I got to catch up with some fellow American singers and make some new friends. And that was, I mean, that's why I like competing so much as you catch up with such wonderful people. So I came home with that wonderful prize. And then maybe about three weeks later, two weeks later, I signed with Askinus Holt, which is super, super exciting. My first manager, her name's Fabiana. She's very cool. So that's really, really exciting. And that's a huge next step uh, for my career because I was very good at being my own manager, but to have someone with a lot of know-how, a lot of connections and a real good idea of how to build a career looking out for me is really, uh, really, really something. Tell us about that that event. Let's start there. It was really fun. The woman who organizes it, um, Wally Sant'Arcangelo, what a great name. Uh, lovely, mm. lovely woman, so warm, uh, just really puts her whole heart and soul into making a wonderful experience for the singers. We were in this adorable little theater, the Guioni Theater, right by the Vatican. It had no toilet seats, which I didn't realize was a thing in Italy, that people like steal <laughs> toilet seats out of bathrooms in Italy. Oh, dear God. Oh, my which God. Which I think is hilarious. Those Italians. It's Italians. Come on. It was a great experience. Uh, you know, it was very whirlwind. I just showed up and I had no connections and I just sang as well as I possibly could have in that moment and tried out some new repertoire, which was really exciting. And what did you sing? Shannon, tell us. For the semifinals, I sang Vidu Varst and um, De Perquesto. Uh, so Vidu Varst from Der Rosenkavalier and De Perquesto from La Clemenza di Tito. And then for the finals, mm-hmm. they at first asked me to sing two different arias. 
they wanted me to sing Charlotte's letter aria from Werther and Tu Fosti Tradito from La Clemenza di Tito, but they couldn't find the orchestra parts for one of them, so they switched my repertoire the night before, which was kind of crazy. So I ended up singing Cara Speme um, by Handel. <laughs>
and then the habanero. I'm from Carmen by Bizet. That was so fun to watch, by the way. You were great. That thank was you. Really good. Thank you. Carmen is something that is just a lifelong discovery of like who she is at each stage of your life and your career. So to kind of experiment with her and see how she goes and, and to win a competition with her is a it means a lot because she is so special.
Oh, it was it was epic, and and there were a lot of competitors. I couldn't believe it. Did you have expectations to like take the prize, or or was it just who knows? Let's find out, kind of thing. Oh God, I never walk into. I've always I'm cursed. I found that if I walk into any audition and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna nail it. I'm totally gonna get it. Of course, it's gonna be me. Never have I ever uh, gotten that job or won that competition. <laughs> so the universe just likes to keep me humble. So I, I walked in. I was, you know, I don't sing competition repertoire. I, I don't sing flashy things. I really only sing things that I love. And I unfortunately really love sad music, as we found out in these uh, radio mm, shows. Yeah. I wanted to go and I wanted to communicate and I wanted to enjoy myself. And that's that's all I try to focus on when I'm competing. Those are the only criteria. Uh, if a prize happens because of that, all the better, because it means that, you know, I was able to transmit how much I was enjoying myself singing and performing to the audience and making them feel the same things that I do when I sing. Okay, let's turn to singer education time here on Lester the Nightfly. How did you get this agent? Did you reach out? Did Were there others that you considered? Was it a nerve-wracking process? Is the time in your career, is this about when it happens? Can you put some context around this really cool thing that just happened? Sure. So agents are this kind of big mystical thing in the life of a singer. It happens at different times for different singers, depending on when they're ready. And my, my biggest advice is to wait. I was approached years ago by several management companies. I was lucky that I had a team around me that said, wait, you know, you're 22. You don't need management right now. You haven't proven to the industry or to yourself that you can get your own work. So just wait, be patient and the right person with the right agency will come along. And that was the best advice that I ever could have gotten because of course it's exciting to be in your early 20s and get an offer uh, from uh, or, or interest from management. But I'm really, really glad I had such clear-headed people telling me, cool your jets, Keegan, chill. With this particular management, I met this woman through a big audition at the International Meistersinger Academy in um, Neumarkt. Mm. They invite wow. a bunch of managers and a bunch of houses to uh, hear the singers that go to this residency. But then from there, I am super pushy and super brazen. So I had interest from several managers from that audition and I reached out to all of them because I'm also a big believer in that I'm not waiting for things to happen to me. I'm going to go and make my own fate. So I reached out to the people that had expressed interest. And I told them my schedule and I invited them to things to come see. And I expected it to take longer than it did. Um, but luckily, Fabiana is just as pushy as I am. <laughs> so we're, we're well matched. Huh. When she realized that I was interested, she really was gung-ho right away, got me a job without me even signing with her yet to kind of prove that she was serious. Very quickly got me a lot of really, really big auditions that I have coming up this month. Super, super exciting. I definitely pushed my way in. And that's not always the technique that singers do because some singers are very fortunate and they win a big competition or they have the right connections and they get lots of offers. Um, and they wait for people to bring offers to them, but that's just not my personality. 
So I, ch I yeah. did chase down the people I was interested in and luckily they were interested back. So the relationship started very organically. We're just a, a month or two maybe into yeah. this relationship, it sounds like, and you're already seeing sort of I would call them benefits of this. Two really major auditions coming up in the next three weeks. Another two really major auditions coming up after that. Um, wow. wow. I already have some jobs that she's gotten me, uh, which is really wonderful. So it, it is already bearing some fruit, which is super, oh. super, super cool. six months absolutely so i have a um deep salva flirte. i'll be singing second lady just super super fun really fun quick easy music just a good time most of the opera studio is in that production as well which is really cool to get to know everyone then after that i'll be doing a world premiere which is you know brand new written opera in oh. german uh new production and i'll play it's called dora so keep keep an eye out for that. That should be very, very cool. They just offered me a recital, like do some, um, they're doing a big uh, kind of Kurt Weill um, festival in the spring and they want me to do a recital with another singer with some Kurt Weill and Eisler and maybe some Cole Porter and all that kind of, you know, composers of the 20s and 30s. So that'll be, it's right up my alley. Uh-huh. And then I will be going to the United States. I can't announce yet what I'm doing, but I will be in the United States this summer, which is super exciting. Coming home to our yes. shores. There'll be a, a welcome committee when you come back on the boat, the big ship that'll arrive in New York exactly. Harbor. You'll be in clothes from the yes, 40s. I'll be waving. Flowers. I can see it. Confetti. <laughs> white. Yeah, I white, gloves, white gloves. Yeah. White gloves. Big I imagine this whole, yeah. whole scene. <laughs> yes. Yes. The hat. Forgot about the hat. Oh, dear God. That'll, that'll be fun. I'll yeah. be there cheering with a little flag. Yes. She'll have American, flag, American flags, flags for sure. I think <laughs> Dear God repertoire must be expanding yes. aggressively at this point with all yes, the singing definitely. I'm taking an adventure into bel canto for the first time which is scary but it's necessary and it's cool um, to work on some technical things that I hadn't really worked out yet um, so that's really really awesome to have the opportunity to do some bel canto in really safe environments uh, and also, it seems like I'm kind of being focht into this like German specialist repertoire because pretty much everything I'm being offered is for the next two seasons is all German, which is I'm not mad about it for wow. Germans to give a foreigner German repertoire is a really big deal. Yeah, I love their music. So it's it's not a trial yeah. to uh, sing this gorgeous, gorgeous music. So I'm really excited about that kind of direction that my trajectory is taking me. Thank you. 
song it's uh, a garland for de la mar king mm-hmm. david is that right yes. howls it's a lovely thing this is a piano ac- accompaniment in this case what can you tell us about this one i was in the Staatsoper and i was just in simmer uh, d you know upstairs mm-hmm. by myself it's my favorite room in the opera house to sing in because it's got nice reverb and i listened to this song sarah connelly singing and i just wept mm. i just wept it was again it's not a sad song all this music sounds really sad when you you just listen but if you listen to what it's saying the subtext the 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 tonalities that happen in the piano the major sonorities that lift up the the text the story of this song follows king david the biblical king david as and he's a very sorrowful person and he he has no reason to be sad except he he kind of really does king david had a really difficult life and he hears the singing of a nightingale. And because the nightingale's singing is so sorrowful, it lifts the burden on his heart. And he's able to feel joy. The last stanza of this song is, and the king in the cool of the moon hearkened to the nightingale's sorrowfulness till all his own was gone. Hmm. And I remember in that moment when I got to sing it for you all at Song Studio and Jamie Barton, it's the first time I performed it live, which is a very vulnerable situation anyway. And to be the nightingale in that moment, because I, I don't think there was a dry eye in the house in that moment. I was looking at everyone and that, that's my favorite thing is making eye contact with my public. To be the thing that allowed people to release that allowed them to cry for the first time and who knows how long or maybe it was the third time that day and to have my own sorrowfulness i spoke a lot last time about my own intrinsic sorrowfulness to have that be so tenderly put on display and mirrored back to me and then collectively relieved by this music by this text that isn't even my own I just got to be the conduit for it in that moment. That's the reason to sing, to, to interpret this music, to make such a connection. And I even got a message from Jamie like two days ago. And she's like, I just can't stop thinking about it. Oh my. Yeah, it was, and I cried when I got that message because mm. this is the reason why we do this. It's not just about making pretty mouth noises. It's about changing <laughs> people's lives. This music changes my life, and the best that I can do is try to show others how it changed mine. 
and how it saved mine. And maybe perhaps be a small part in easing the sorrowfulness in another person. I think that's the purpose of my life. This Sarah Connolly, what do you, was it a specific decision to choose the, her singing or tell me about yes. that? Yes, she's an English singer, you know, so this is her music. She's got this incredibly beautiful timbre. It's simple, it's unaffected. She just declaims the text, she sings the notes, and that's it. There's no artifice, there's no ego in this, in this song that you can hear. It's just, I'm gonna sing this to you and you should listen. And that's how I felt when I, when I heard her sing it for the first time. Oh 
It's Tatiana Troianos, wow, and it's the London Philharmonic Orchestra. It's 1997. As much as I want to just push play, you really should tell us a little bit about this scene from this opera so we know what we're getting into. Sure. So this is the uh, third act of Werther by Massenet, my guy. <laughs> and in this moment, uh, it's, the, oh, it's the opening of the act. It's just such a banger. You know, you, you, there's no there's no missing what the scene is about. You, you get these incredibly bombastic bump, 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 bump. You know, something bad's going to happen. And it's this incredible moment where Charlotte, this woman, she's a young 24-year-old woman who has become the object of obsession of a young man named Werther. She's married and she is the mother figure to all of her young siblings because her mother passed away when they were quite young. So Charlotte has taken on this role of being the mother for her family. And in the scene prior, she was so frustrated with Werther hounding her for her love and begging her not to get married. She sent him away and she said, don't come back until Christmas. I can't bear it. And he said to her, I will never come back. Then over the course of months, sends her letters and letters and letters and i don't think she ever responded to them she just kept on it's this it's a very dark story we have this guy painted as a you know the romantic hero but he really is almost like a stalker he becomes obsessed with her and very effectively ruins her life and in this moment is when she is contemplating what is she to do where does she turn how does she get him? Because she feels responsible, even though she's she's done nothing that should have encouraged this obsession. She feels culpable for any harm he may do to himself because he is threatening to kill himself if uh, she doesn't sort of capitulate to his desires. 
And I think this is an aria of great frustration and great tenderness because she does love him, just not in the way that he wants her to. So she's kind of in crisis. How do I save this person who is so intent on harming himself and harming me? Um, yeah, it's a really powerful moment in the opera. I don't know this, but I'm wondering, is this known as the letter scene? Yes, one of uh -huh. them, because there's the Tatiana's letter scene from Onyegin, mm -hmm. um, and then there's this one is the letter scene okay. from Verde. And I think it's a Christmas Eve Yes, she's at home rereading the letters. Beautiful. He more de la place, ses lettres, ses lettres, you know, she's saying all those things, but we just okay. colloquially cut the letter scene, everyone okay. you're Thanks. talking about. Thanks. Give us a break. <laughs> Give this American a break. Yeah, honestly, same. I'm like, hello, my name is Shannon Keegan, and I would like to sing the letter scene from Ver. <laughs> I don't even try.
We're going to move to Preach, Sister Preach. This is fascinating. Evan Mack, mm-hmm. uh, the soprano, I went deep into Megan Marino and who is this and blah, 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 blah. It's so short. We're going to hear it right now. Perfect. And then Shannon's going to tell us about it. And then we're going to hear it again. Preach, Sister Preach, number two, May West. That's the official name of this thing, written by Evan Mack. Okay, that was the first listening with Megan Marino. It was recorded in 2021. The album is called The Traveled Road. Okay, now, Shannon, tell us about this thing, and then we'll hear it again. Fabulous. So I, I'm really drawn to comedic music, despite all the sad music that I've given you. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I love being funny on stage because I'm a huge goofball. <laughs> um, so I found this set. I was on the search for something funny to put into my master's recital, and this set came screaming at me. It's so my personality. It's funny. It's heartfelt. It's 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 just it's great. And it's fifteen or seventeen miniatures. It's a whole bunch. I saw that. It was fascinating. So it's it's all these incredible iconic female comedians. They're some of their most memorable quotes. Um, and, and not just comedians, now that I'm thinking about it. There's a lot of a lot of really, really profound women in this in this set. And this one just jumped out to me. I just love Mae West. She's such an irreverent little little stinker. And you know, I, I watch her movies and I I find so much of myself in her. And I, I I've been compared to Mae West in my real life several times. And I just I love there are no good girls gone wrong, just bad girls found out. You know, I love Just that. Great. That's how I feel Just about great. myself too. <laughs> yeah, Mae West, what a personality. And it, it comes yeah. right through in this thing. It's gorgeous. Let's listen to it once again. Again, this is from Evan Mack. Preach, sister, preach. Comment for a second on Megan Marino. Do you know this person? Is there a reason? I or? just met her. Oh. Uh, again, she's a mezzo that I, I yeah. share a voice teacher with, and we have a lot of things in common, a lot of people in common. I sang with a, her husband in Des Moines, and then he was doing a show in Stuttgart, and she tagged along, and I got to meet her finally and be like, hi, I've been a big fan for a long time. <laughs> and she was like, oh, it's a, she's so gracious, really, really lovely lady. 
Uh, so it was great to meet her. And I hope her husband's coming back for some shows. So I'm hoping I can get to know her a little better. She's she's very cool. And again, another just a great another role model, just a cool gal who likes to sing some tunes, you know. Uh, so cool. Yeah, she's got a, a career going on. I was on her website just before this yeah. recording that we're doing. She's got a new record for kids that just came out this year. And she yeah. was at the Met. I think I might have seen her on stage. Yes, she's quite prolific. Let's do one more thing, though, and that's not opera and not art song and not classical or uh, concert music, as it can be called. Let's move to Lucy Dacus. And mm-hmm. let's close our show with this um, wonderful song, Night Shift, which takes a giant shift in the middle oh, yeah. of the song. And um, just tell us why, why we have this one on our, on our collection. Like I said before, I'm a huge fan of the seven-minute epic genre <laughs> yes. of music. I love songs that take you somewhere you don't expect to go. And this one really does that. It's, you know, this, she paints such a vivid picture at the beginning. The first lines are the first time I tasted someone, somebody else's spit, I had a coughing fit. So funny. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Oh my God. It's it's so real. Yeah. You know, the first time you kiss someone else, it's so jarring and unfamiliar when you have built something familiar with someone else and she paints this incredible picture of you sitting in a cafe listening to the justifications of someone who's left you and why did they leave you why did they do what they did perhaps they cheated on you perhaps they blindsided you you know something it's it's so universal heartbreak and maybe wanting some sort of closure you know she says what was the plan absolve your guilt and shake hands and then and that's the whole first of the first half of the song is the setting the scene and then like you said it takes a turn in the middle mm-hmm. everything switches it's just bass you get this incredible beautiful bass line and she sings you've got a nine to five so i'll take the night shift and i'll never see you again if i can help it and I, I don't really feel like that's the direction we're going in in the first half of the song, you know? And then all of a sudden it's this, I never want to see you again. I, I, I never, I, for my sake, I hope that this song that I'm singing about you, I can sing about other people because I just don't ever want to see you again. And that's something I, I had a really traumatic first relationship. And I remember this exact moment returning this person's things in a box, you know, that after the breakup horribleness, I have all of your things that you left at my house. Here they are. And walking away from that moment and being like, I never have to see this person again. And how that made me feel finally free from this horrible situation that I was in. And this song is just incredibly cathartic how she screams it at the end um, with this incredible, she's got this beautiful high belt. And I, when I find myself needing that kind of release, I come to this song and I go to Zimmer D and I sing this song at the top of my lungs just to remind myself that, yeah, I moved across the country. I'm pursuing my dreams. I never have to see this person again. And that incredible freedom and joy Again, I don't think this is a sad song. It's it's really, really something, I have to say. The first time I tasted somebody else's spit I had a coughing fit 
it's so visceral and you know that yeah. first line you know i i you know it, it's it's funny i've thought about that line a lot in the last 48 hours mm-hmm. that that's the it just because it's such a take on a kiss and a the intimacy and the 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 uniqueness of that thing that we do as yeah. humans when we express emotion and lust and love and 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 yet it's it's a, a swapping of spit as well <laughs> right. know, so it's it's very it's gritty so you know the way she approaches yeah. it <laughs> it's not romantic no and, and at all know, it's like I'm, what are we doing oh it's a physical thing where we're just you know so yeah. that was bizarre and, and jarring and then it was equally thematically and musically jarring mid-song or three quarters of the way through when we get into this amazing guitar going on that was just really good good thing going on and uh yeah that's that's quite a piece and that brings us to the end of the third show with mezzo-soprano shannon keegan i will see you again next week This has been a PJ DJ production.